Let me just say this. Since we're not in a series, it's a little different this morning. Uh, I kind of start, I mean, not that I don't have this every time. Uh, I kind of have a goal in mind today uh, w- with my message. And I would say this, if you're here this morning and you would admit that this church has impacted your life in some way, cheers. <laughs> I knew I was going to get choked. Let me tell you why. <clears throat> my daughter has a ba- brought me a bag of those nuts and bolts, you know what I'm saying? And I've got one <laughs> stuck back here in the back. So this may be a painful message in more ways than one. But again, if this church has impacted you in any way, your life in any way, or has changed your life in any way, then here's my goal. My goal is by the end of the message, I want to get you involved. I want to get you involved, and everybody's hiney started tightening up. I still, you know, I felt it. I felt it. Uh, I, I want to get you involved in some way. Uh, I want every man, every woman, every teenager who, who considers this to be their church, their church home, uh, if your life has been impacted or in any way changed by this church, uh, I just want you to get involved. I want you to start serving. It's something that we call strategic service. And when I reach the end of our time today, I just want you to be so excited about what's happening at Crossroads that you start serving, and when you start serving, that you start realizing, man, why did I wait? Why did I wait so long to get involved? Why did I wait so long to put my gifts and talents to work? So here's what this means. It it, it means this. If you're here and you're not a Christian or you don't consider yourself a religious person, that I'm just going to be honest with you right up front, this message is probably not for you. But here's my hope, my prayer and my hope, is that when we get to the end of this, this message will help you understand exactly how the church works. I just want you to see how the church works. And, And you know what's interesting? Because when people take the time to talk to me about Crossroads and what God is doing here, one of the things that I hear and have heard consistently is how great our volunteers really are. What a great job that they really do. As a matter of fact, I was poking around last week on social media, which I do very haphazardly now. Does anybody know what I'm saying? You know, it's just so bad. But somebody said something positive about you. They said something positive about you and about your church and about how this church made them feel as a visitor. It just made them feel at home. And, and again, I've seen that before and I've heard that before. Somebody commented about how how friendly you guys are. And here's the thing. Most of our newer people or most of our visitors, they can come in here and they can look around. And and from their vantage point, most days it looks like that we have everything taken care of. And again, I know that because we we have some pretty incredible volunteers. and, And it can look like everything is covered. But here's the bottom line. You might not see the needs that we have if you're a visitor or if you're somebody who hasn't been here very long. But one of the main reasons that I find that most people don't want to get involved in what's happening here is it's just personal. It's, it's a personal preference. You know, it's just, uh, again, I think most people look at it like this. They, they think that we live in the land of plenty. We, we're, we're an American, and being an American has just afforded us the opportunity and the lifestyle that, you know what, we're just entitled to do with our time whatever we want to do with our time. If I've got free time, I want to spend my free time the way that I want to spend my free time. And again, most of us want the privilege of getting up every morning and saying, okay, well, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do with my time today? We don't want somebody telling us what they need us to do. We don't want somebody telling us what we have to do. And we're kind of afraid that, you know what, if we get involved in something, then somebody's going to expect something of us. Somebody's going to expect me to be there. And we'd just rather get up and do whatever we want instead of somebody having an expectation of us. Let me tell you another reason why I think people don't get involved. A lot of people don't get involved because they have forgotten who they are. I mean, does that make sense? A lot of people don't get involved because they just simply have forgotten who they are. 
And, and see, we've forgotten that when, when our Heavenly Father looks down from heaven, He doesn't see you as a single person. He doesn't see you as uh, us as lone rangers. But He sees us as Christians. He sees us as followers of Jesus. He sees us as part of something that's bigger. He sees us as part of a body. And we have to realize, my Heavenly Father has a will and a plan for my life. He has a plan and a will for your life. And that plan and that will is that when we become a Christian, that we are to get involved in the local body. And that local body is the church. Now, I think there are a good many of us that we've just forgotten that that's been God's plan since the very beginning. And I'm going to be really open and honest with you this morning because my openness and honestness may surprise some of you. But if I get to the end of this message and you decide that you don't want anything to do with Crossroads, you don't want to be involved here, or you don't want to be involved in any other local church for that matter, then you just need to realize that that isn't going to stop the kingdom of God. If you say, you know what, I'm not going to do it, then you need to realize the kingdom of God is going to keep going on. It's going to go forward. Things are going to keep happening without you. But on the other hand, I want you to know that Crossroads would do so much better if you were a part of us. We would do so much better if you were a part of our team. And whether you realize it or not, you need to be a part of what God has called and equipped and gifted you to do. You see, if all of us as Americans, if all of us were just to get up every morning and take advantage and say, I'm just going to do what I want, then the truth is that if we do that, if that's the approach, then we're the ones who are going to miss out. If we say we're going to spend our free time the way that we want to spend our free time, then we're simply the ones that are going to miss out. Because here's the thing. I, I mean, being in my late 30s right now, <laughs> I hold on to it. I am consistent, let me just tell you. <clears throat> I think all of us want to come to a place in life where we look back and we say, you know what, I did everything I could. I took every advantage, every kind of opportunity. God, I leveraged everything you gave me and blessed me with for your kingdom's sake and not for mine. I sought your kingdom first. We, we all want to get to a point where we say that. So in order for us to be able to do that, for us to be able to say that, it simply means that we have to start looking at our lives differently. We're not the Lone Ranger. We're not someone who does things by ourselves. We are a part of something that is much, much bigger. We're someone who is on a team because we've been called to be a part of the body. Now, this morning, I'm going to go to Ephesians 4. And Ephesians is a letter that was written to the church at Ephesus. And this is a book or a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to those who were, were brand new Christians. These were Jewish Christians. And, and here's the thing. And what we're about to read, and it's going to be different today because I'm going to read a verse or two and talk about it and read a verse or two and talk about it. Read a verse, you know, again, just track with me on that. But what we're about to read, Paul gives a look at what's at stake as it relates to you and to me and to you and me and our lives. Look at what Paul says. Here's what he says. He starts out here. For there's one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to be one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Now, we're going to stop right there. Paul is letting us know. He wants us to understand that we are a part of one thing. 
As a Christian, you need to understand this. As a, as a follower of Jesus, you're, you're not somebody who's just out here doing things on your own. You're not, that's not you. Something bigger is out there. And it's not just little old you out here doing things by yourself. When you became a Christian, when you said, I'm placing my faith in Jesus Christ, in that moment, the Holy Spirit filled you and you instantly became a part of something that's bigger. There's a whole lot of unity involved in this one big thing that you're now a part of. Because you're connected. Listen to me this morning. Look, look, look at me right here. You're connected to every person in this room who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. We're a part of something bigger. But, but then Paul goes on. Look at the next verse. He says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, this is huge. Because I really want you to understand what Paul is saying. He's saying to you, through Jesus Christ, God has given you a gift. He's given you something right now that you do really well. All of us in this room, every person listening to me, watching me, God has given us a gift if we call on the name of Jesus Christ. You can't do everything. Some of you think you can. But God has given you a special gift. I mean, take a minute and think about that. Look, look at your family. Look at the people you work with. And you're going to see people around you who aren't good at everything. But they are good at one thing. They're really good at one thing. You know why? Because all men aren't created equal. We're good at different things. Some people are great leaders. Some people are great singers. Some people are great guitar players. Some people are great communicators. I mean, think about it. Some women are great cooks and some women aren't great cooks. Some women are, are not so good at cooking, but they're really good at organizing. And what's neat about this is that 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit kind of showed Paul that every person in the church simply isn't the same. Because God, in only the way that God can, He has given each one of us different strengths and different weaknesses. Every person in this room who names the name of Jesus Christ has been given a gift. I don't really know how it happened, but I know that it did happen. And maybe just the fact that I know that it happened, maybe that's the reason why we need to come together this morning and ask the question, okay, why? Why would God, through Jesus Christ, why would God give us this gift? Why would God give you a place in your life where you shine and then other places where you struggle? Why would God give you something that you do really, really well, but in this other area, it's like when you know, the going gets tough, you just shut down? Why did God gift you the way that he has? And some of you would say this morning, well, I can, I can tell you why God gave me the gift he gave me, because it was to make a lot of money. That's not true. That's not the case. It might help you make money. But it's not the reason that God has gifted you the way that he has. Because, see, we have to understand the context. Paul said that we are part of one. This one big thing. But within that oneness, there is individuality. The reason that God has gifted us the way that he has is so that we can bring, listen, 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 so that we can bring our gifts together. And we can work together. And as we listen, listen, as we work together, we do something that none of us could do individually. It can only be accomplished 
when we do it together. Now, in, in the next few verses, the Apostle Paul speaks to the Jewish people about something that was written in Psalms. So we're going to skip over those verses, and I'm going to jump down to verse 11. Here's what he says in verse Look at Look at verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, those are the people with Jesus. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. The evangelists, I mean, you probably know somebody in your life who's really good at telling other people about Jesus. That's kind of what I would say an evangelist is. He gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. And then we reach the point where Paul tells, what was the question a while ago we were going to ask why? Why has God, here's the why, look at, look at the why, look at the next verse. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Leave that up there if you will, Alex. Here's something that I think is really important for all of us to understand. Our Heavenly Father has an, a purpose in this world. And if that purpose in this world, listen, come on, if it's going to be accomplished, then those of us who name the name of Jesus Christ, we have to bring our gifts and our talents and we put those to work strategically, in tandem, working with each other. It's not something we do alone. Listen, it's something we do together. We don't do it by ourselves. We do it together. And when we do that, it's, it's kind of amazing. Honestly, it's pretty unbelievable what God would do through us when we come together. Now, just a moment ago, we read some of the gifts that God has gifted people to be able to do. God gave us those gifts to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. You see that behind me, the body of Christ. We're to come together to use our gifts to help people grow. And let me tell you this, when we come together, not only are other people going to grow, but we, when we come together and use our gifts, we're going to grow. Today, I'm going to use my gift of teaching. I mean, some of you would say, I don't know if he's really gifted or not, but whether, you know, I mean, again, but I'm going to use my gift of teaching to kind of encourage you, to motivate you, to get off the bench and get into the game. That's what I want you to do. I want you to help me to make this place a place that people just want to come to. Because you know what? We've got seats. And we want their nice John Brown hind parts in these seats so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I need you in the game, not on the bench. Because see here, if that's going to be accomplished, if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, then you're going to have to come alongside, aside, beside me, aside me, beside me, and you're going to have to use your gifts. And see, here's the thing. When we use our gifts together to serve the church, what we do together, when we come together, that's going to reflect the very thing that Jesus Christ did on his own. Let me, let me read the rest of the scripture, and then we're going to talk about it. Next, next scripture about Alex. This will come, this will continue until uh, we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we, we, we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We're going to stop right there. What does that mean? Look at the scripture behind me. What does it mean? What, what does that exactly mean? Essentially what Paul is doing, he's refer, referring back to something that they and many of us already know. He's talking about when Jesus was on the earth. When Jesus was on the earth, he could only be on the earth one place at a time. 
He was only in one place at a time. Jesus was the hands, the feet, the eyes of God. The fullness of God was in him. But when Jesus was on the earth, he was only in one place at a time. He was God in a body. And then after he rose from the dead, his followers were distraught. They just didn't know what was going to happen. They were heartbroken that he was leaving. But he said things are going to get better. He told his followers, things are going to get better. Because listen, the spirit that resides in me, we talked about that last week. The spirit that resides in me, it's going to come and it's going to reside in you corporately. But none of you is going to be like me, Jesus said. He said, none of you is going to be just like me. But when you come together corporately, because my gifts have been handed out to different ones of you, but when you come together corporately and you bring those gifts together, that's going to be the closest that anybody ever comes to being in the presence of Christ. When we bring our gifts and we use those gifts together. So what that means is this. The best thing that we could ever give Lebanon, the best thing that we could ever give Wilson County, is not our individual gifts. But the best thing that we could give Lebanon and Wilson County is to use our gifts together as a church. As crossroads. Because listen, listen to me this morning. The sum of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, when two or three of you gather, what did he say? There I am in the what? Midst. When two or three of you get together, there I am in the midst. When we come together and we use our gifts and our talents, there is a sense of the presence of Jesus Christ that is felt in a very unique way that will never be felt or found when we're doing things individually. Now, if you think back just a few moments ago, we talked about the gift of evangelist. And again, to me, The gift of an evangelist is somebody who is really, and again, this is my opinion, it's somebody who's really good at sharing their faith or sharing with others about Jesus Christ. What's interesting about that gift is not much is said in the New Testament about personal evangelism. The focus that we find in the New Testament is instead one of people coming together and using their gifts together. In other words, here's what we do. Listen, I want you to track with me on this. We come together and we use our gifts. And we create environments where people who maybe even are skeptical or maybe they're unbelievers, but they come into a, an environment like this in our presence and they're like, wow, there's something there that maybe I need to investigate just a little bit more. We come together using our gifts and create environments where people can come. We're here doing what we're called to do, what we're gifted to do. And people experience the presence of Jesus Christ that they would never experience any other way if we were doing things individually. Paul, Paul goes on. Look at the next verse. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. Now, again, we're going to stop right there. Then we will no longer be immature like children. What does that say? I'll tell you what it says. Your spiritual maturity it hinges on your ability to plug in and use your spiritual gift. We will no longer be immature like children if we plug in and use the gift that God has given us. See, here's the thing, and, and again, I'm not dissing this at all. 
we, we think spiritual maturity is about reading the Bible, spending time alone with God. But if you, listen, if you want to grow spiritually, the way to grow spiritually, Paul tells you, is to connect with other believers. Connect with the body. Look, look at what Paul says next. He says this, We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Man, that, does that sound like the Republicans and the Democrats? I'm telling you, my gosh. Notice I said everybody, okay, I'm not going to go one way or the other. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Look at what he says. Pay attention. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts. Look at here it is again. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If you and I are going to grow spiritually, then it's all about the biblical model that we see right here in Ephesians. If you're going to grow spiritually, listen to me, it's not you being some lone ranger, it's you coming here and connecting to the body. If you're truly going to grow spiritually, it means you getting plugged in, using your gift, and connecting to the body. I mean, think about it this way. It's kind of gross, but I'm going to use it anyway. If you are a younger person, and let's just say today, which is November the 20th, let's just say you're younger, and, and I just make a decision, we're going to cut off your arm, and we're going to cut off your leg, or your leg, and we're going to put your leg or your arm in a box. And I had some legs and arms in, in, in a box that I started to bring in. They're fake, but anyway, I was going to bring one, but I just didn't do it, so and 10 years go by. What would happen in 10 years? In 10 years, the rest of your body would have healed. Your body would have grown. But, but if we went and we got that box and we opened up that box and we took out your arm or we took out your leg, what would have happened to your arm and your leg? It would have done nothing. It would have done nothing. It would not have grown. Because it wasn't connected to the body. So if you're not connected to the body, listen to me, Crossroads, if you're not connected to the body in one way or another, it's going to hinder your spiritual growth. Bottom line. Your maturity individually hinges on your service corporately. It's the very reason why I serve on serving teams other than just being on staff here on Sunday mornings. Every Thursday morning. Some of you are tired of hearing this. I don't care. I get here between 4.30 and 5.30. Mount up with my toilet brush and my Windex and I clean your toilets. Every Thursday. Because I'm a part of that team. And let me tell you, that team of people that comes together every Thursday, we save you about $500 a week. Because to get a service crew, uh, a paid, you know, like Molly Maids or whoever that is to come in, they wanted four or $500. That was 10 years ago. I don't know what they'd get now. We save you that money. And you know what? The thing I've discovered is that people who have a vested interest do a much better job. But I show up here and I serve on that team. I serve on other teams in addition to what I do otherwise. And see, here's what I want you to understand this morning. You, just like me, are individually gifted. But you are commissioned corporately. Now, you may be thinking, well, what the crap does that mean? Well, let me show you. What's he, what's he talking about? This happens every Sunday morning, 8, 8.30 and 10 o'clock, this worship service. And it takes a lot of people's gifts to make this happen. When we create this worship experience on Sunday morning, 
There are lots of people who bring their gifts into this experience so that it happens and you are brought into the very presence of the Lord himself. And can I just say a couple of things really quick? We, we've, cre- we've been intentional about the things that we do and the way we create this environment. Or this environment. And, pe- and, and let me tell you, oftentimes people will complain, you know, well, Randy, it's just so dark in there. I don't care. You know why? Because it's not about you. It's about the unchurched. And many of the unchurched people that I talk to tell me, Randy, I don't want to come into a place where everybody's looking at me. So we want your focus to be here, not on them. That's why we keep the lights low out there. You know who always complains? It's the church people. Let me tell you, it's not about them. It's not about you. It's about them. It's about those who want to dip their toe in faith for the first time. You know, I get it sometimes that you can't see your Bible and you can't see the notes that you're making. Bring a flashlight. I'll provide you with one. Give me your Amazon account. I'll order you one. I'm here for the unbelievers. I'm here for those who want to try God on or try God out. And can I also say this because I don't want anybody to be offended. When, when you come and go when the service is actually started, try not to use this door to, the, to, the, to my right here, to your left. Because it's a distraction to people who are trying to focus here. So if you need to go out, go out the back doors. That's when you, I, I try, even when I come in sometimes late, I try to come in that door and walk up because I just don't want to distract anybody. Because we've created this environment intentionally with lost people, unbelievers in mind. And see, I get emails and cards and comments every month from people who have visited Crossroads. And they talked about the environment and how it made them feel. I mean, you don't, you, know, you don't have people running the aisles, jumping up, acting crazy. And again, let me tell you, let me just say this. I, I don't want anybody to feel offended. If that's what you want to do, there are churches, other places that do that. But that's not who we've been called to do. But people tell me, I, I came there and your people, your volunteers, they made me feel at home. And because of the gift that somebody was putting to use, that gift impacted that person in such a way that they often said, you know what, I I hadn't been to church at all. I hadn't been to church in 20 years, but it felt like home. And they felt welcomed and they felt loved. And they felt like this is a place that, you know what, I can start learning about God. And you know what? They loved Wampaland upstreet because it was a place that, that was teaching their children about Jesus on their level. And you know what their kids said? Their kids said that they liked it. Their kids hadn't even been to church, but they liked it so much that they wanted to come back the next Sunday. And they'd never done that before. I mean, just imagine this morning. Just imagine. I'm going to be very honest with you. If you came to Crossroads and the only thing you got to hear was me, that'd be terrible. Nobody to greet you, nobody to give you a worship guide, nobody to give you a cup of coffee, nobody to help you with your questions, nobody to escort you down the hall to check in your children. Imagine if that was the case and how terrible that would be. That's the reason why I'm telling you it's so important that every one of us do our part. Because what we need at Crossroads is people coming together using their gifts we need every person using their gift coming alongside other people so that we can impact the lives that God has called us to impact and those people that he sends our way when Paul was writing this he knew that there was something that was supposed to happen in the lives of those people who followed Jesus Christ and this may surprise some of you Paul knew that when we used our gifts, the gifts that God gave us, he knew that when we engaged with other people using those gifts, that not only would it benefit them, but it would also benefit us. 
And see, the mistake I think most of us have made is we've bought into the idea that, you know, if, if I read the Bible, listen to a few worship songs, come to church every now and then, we think that as a Christian that we're naturally going to grow. But in what we've just read in Ephesians 4, Paul makes it to me crystal clear that our spiritual growth is going to suffer if we don't take the time to engage our gifts working alongside other believers. And some of you would probably say to me this morning, Randy, there was a, you know, there was a time in my life when I did that. There was a time in my life when I served in the church. But for whatever reason, you've quit. I mean, again, let me tell you, COVID hit us. I mean, it, it, it knocked our legs right out from under us. I mean, we had tons of people who were volunteering just quit. They, they haven't even returned to church. And most of them, I can say this, most of them I know aren't even going. Some have left and gone to other churches because, again, they don't want anybody delivering this message to them. They don't want to hear about it. So people, like, people like, maybe you're one of those people who says, you know what, I, you know, for whatever reason, Randy, I've just quit doing it. Maybe you moved churches, maybe it was COVID, maybe we went, you, went, you had a baby, maybe you changed a job, so, something like that. Whatever it was, you just quit. And now instead of using your gift, you've become one of those people who just comes to church and you sing a few songs and you listen and maybe you take a few notes. You've become someone who really isn't a part of the one thing that Paul is talking about that Paul mentioned. Now you're like the Lone Ranger out there, spiritually speaking. You're like the Lone Ranger out there. And if you're honest, and let me just say, if you're honest, you like the freedom, but at the same time you like the freedom of being able to do what you want, you also realize that inside there's something that's missing. And let me tell you, if there's anything I could say to you this morning, it's this, we need you. My lips to your ears, we need you. But I want you to realize, not only do we need you, you need us. We need you and you need us as well. Because that's the very reason that God has gifted you. That's his purpose for you, for your life and for the church. And I know what happens. Every time somebody like me delivers a message telling you, encouraging you, motivating you to serve, you start hearing that little voice that whispers all the excuses why you can't do it. Oh, I, I can't do that. Well, I'm a new Christian, and I, you know, I really don't know what to do. Can I just tell you something that you may not understand, but hopefully today you'll walk out of here understanding this? Maturity isn't the thing that qualifies you. Giftedness is the thing that qualifies you. And as Christians, we're all gifted. Well, uh, other people, re you know, reach a point in their lives where they say, you know, I just don't know what I can do. Well, if that's the case. If you're one of those people who says, you know what, I just don't, I just don't know what I can do, I don't, I, I'm just going to tell you this. I'll help you find what you can do. We'll help you find a place that's not taxing one way or the other on your body. Maybe you're older and you say, you know, I'm just too old. I just don't think I can do it. And I'll just tell you, lots of people start out serving on our guest service teams. That's the people in the lobby. And let me tell you, we don't have enough people serving out there right now, holding the doors, looking for after people in the parking lot, helping people in, serving coffee, you know, mid midway greeters there, you know, to help you show you the bathrooms, uh, you know, answer questions for you. The guest service team is probably one of the easiest things that we do, but it's one of the most important things. We don't have enough people, but people start there. And then after they start there, they kind of see these other things that are going on in the church. And they say, you know what? I really think I'd be better there over here because that's actually my sweet spot. That's what they were gifted to do. The point is this. If you're not connected to the body at Crossroads by serving, then you need to start somewhere. 
And then the biggest reason that we tend to hear from people is they don't have time. I don't have time to help in the church. And and, and can I just say this morning, when people say, I don't have time, you know what you're really saying? I'm not going to make a commitment. I don't want to make a commitment. It goes back to what I said at the beginning of the message. As an American, I'm an individual who wants to do whatever I want. I like my freedom, and I like the fact that my time is my time. And can I just say something this morning? If you're one of those people who is even thinking it right now, you've been thinking it the whole time I started down this road, you're thinking, I just don't have time. If that's what you say, then let me just tell you something. You're going to put yourself in a really weird position when it comes to your relationship with God. If you're one of those people who says, I don't have time. Because at some time in your day today or your week this week, You're going to go to him and say, God, dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for giving and giving and giving and blessing and blessing and blessing. And God, I just want to ask you to continue to give to me and to bless me and God, to look after my family. But I don't have time. I don't have time to give to the church because I'm too busy with all the blessing that you've given me. And you know what happens? And it will happen. If that's you, you know what you are? You're just a consumer of God. Every one of us needs to reach a point and a time in our lives where we use the gifts and the talents that God has given us. And we use those working in tandem strategically with other believers. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me give you some names. And again, I know I get out on the, on the thin ice when I say that. But let, let me give you some names of some people who are here week in and week out for the most part. Carol Simpson, Julie Polson, Lori Dove, Wayne and Jerry Haley. They all serve with me in some way on our cleaning team, and they save you a lot of money. But they're pretty predictable in their Connie Diamond is also somebody who helps us on Thursdays. We get together and we clean this building. And one of the things I'll tell you is this. When you join a team like that, I call that a strategic service team. You need to understand you're going to be around people who are way busier than you are. But you also need to understand that you're surrounded by people who understand that they're supposed to use the gifts and talents that they've been given for the sake of the kingdom. When people do that, that's the thing that makes our church what it is. That's the thing that people truly love about Crossroads. So here's what I'm going to ask our our guest service team members to do right now. They've got some cards that I want you to fill out. And let me just say this. Let Let me just be dead honest with you. You may have told us in the past that you wanted to do something and we didn't follow up with you and, that, and, and I'll take full responsibility of, for that because let me, can I just say something and again it's not an excuse it's just a fact. Before COVID I had basically five or six people in the office now I have one other than myself so we probably did drop the ball. But we're going to handle these we're going to hand these cards out right now. Barry's going to do it. Carol's going to do it. They're going to give you a card. You can take the time to fill it out today. You can again take it with you, bring it back. I'm just going to say that if if you don't fill it out uh, and let us know something that the Holy Spirit trips you down the stairs as you go out, uh, 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 or does no, I'm just kidding. But I, but I want you to fill it out and let us at least start somewhere. Fill the card out and say, hey, I'm willing to try this. And Carol will get with you, or Amy will get with you, or I will get with you. Somebody from our office will get with you. And here's what I want you to hear me say. Listen, if somebody doesn't get with you in a couple of weeks, you pin me down up here after a service and said you didn't get with me. Put it on you, not on me. Put it on you. you ha- Again, you have a part to play in this. Fill out that card and let us know. There's a table outside. 
and you can leave that. Carol's going to be out there. Carol Farrell's going to be out there. Carol knows a lot about the church, about as much as anybody. And again, if she doesn't know it, she's going to pretend like she does, and she's going to talk to you about it. And she'll answer your questions, and she'll tell you, you know, this is what I think, and this is what I'll find out, and I'll get in touch with you. Because for those who have been attending here week in and week out, we need you to get off of the sidelines and get into the game. And the reason is simple, because we need each other. Because we're ending the year, and when January gets here, there are going to be lots of opportunities. There are lots of opportunities right now, between, but between the months of, of January, between now, November, and December, we're going to take the time to, to train you. And when January arrives, that's when we're going to hit the ground running. Here's the thing. We need 10 people right now in Wombaland and Upstreet, 10 people to fill in the volunteer positions that we have. It's not even every week. It's every other week. 10 people at 10 o'clock. Now, let me just say this, because I want to be honest with you. We need to get Wombaland and Upstreet going at 8.30 because some people aren't coming back to church because we don't offer it at the time that they want to come. My grandkids sit in here every Sunday morning at 8.30 because we don't offer it. And you know what? They do pick up things in the message that they understand, but a lot of it they don't understand because it's not at their level. So if you could help us at 8.30, we've had some people say they would, but we don't have enough to start it. So we could also use some people that would help us at 8.30. So you could do Wombaland or Upstreet at 8.30, and then you could come to the 10 o'clock service. Again, can you not give God three or four hours a week? It's that easy. Guest services probably has an opening for about 20 people. Production, a couple of people. Cleaning crew could use four or five more people. I need people to lead groups. You know, I had that in the worship guide for the last two weeks, and not one person has indicated any interest in that. Now, Steve Montoya told me, we talked, we talked about that, and I'm going to be talking to him. But nobody else other than him. It's not that hard. It's really about hosting a group of people, meeting with a group of people. We'll train you. We have the curriculum. You don't have to know the Bible. You don't have to know all 88 books of the Bible. 66. We'll train you. See what I mean? I want you to take some time right now and fill out that card. And as you leave, if you have questions, stop and see Carol in the lobby. See me. Don't wait. Some, somebody's eternity hangs in the balance. We need to come together using our gifts and our talents in tandem together. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? God, we thank you so much for this time. It's a difficult subject. It's kind of like giving. It's about money in the church. Nobody wants to hear it. Everybody wants somebody else to do it. But God, you have gifted us with very special gifts, things that we're good at. And so God, what we're doing as a church, it's kind of a miracle that we're still here based on all the things that have happened. So many churches have closed. So many churches are struggling. We're still here by the grace of God. And we're just asking you to do something new in our lives, in our people's lives, in the life of our church. Speak to us and strengthen us and guide us as only you can. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Using our gifts strategically together, helping other people grow. But at the very same time, we ourselves are growing because we come together as part of God, we love you and we thank you and we wait with anticipation watching and seeing what you're going to do as we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and worship together with us?
Amen. Hey.